Welcome to Native Calgarian, Oki, Naganago, Megoche Chestakomaki, or Dakotes Nagotene Siku. Hi, my name is Red Thunder Woman. My married English name is Michelle Robinson, and I use she and her pronouns. I honor the Blackfoot as the elders and members have been so kind to me on my Red Road journey. Elder Red Crane taught me how to pronounce my spirit name in Blackfoot, and Leonard Kenny taught me how to pronounce my spirit name in Satu Dene. My humblest apologies to the Blackfoot and Dene elders and language keepers as I try to learn proper pronunciation. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Great Bear Lake tribe. I am um, in Treaty 11. My people wore rabbit skin, so it's been referred to as the land of the hair people. I'm a native to Turtle Island, and my Dene nation is a visitor to this area of Klinchotine Indahe in Satu Dene, meaning many big dog town named after the Calgary Stampede. I was born in Calgary or in Blackfoot, Mokinstis is Michelle Elliott, another English name that has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act imposed status card by the Canadian government says Yellowknives Dene, which roots me in Treaty 8. Through my father, I am a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution, while having a Canadian Indian Act and Post Status Card, which is a colonial construct by Canadian policies meant to divide Indigenous peoples' inherent rights. Indigenous Two-Spirit, or the Indigenous 2SLGBTQ plus community and Indigenous women are at the bottom of the Canadian socioeconomic ladder because of colonial trauma, imposed poverty, racism, gendered violence, and land theft. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous. I just share my journey as I go weekly, apparently. As a Denny woman who's attempted to join harmful colonial parties, spent money to be at expensive conventions, left my home to travel to those conventions just to vote on incomplete policies that still allows for incarceration, a denial of justice, denial of health services, racism, colonial trauma, and genocide of Indigenous and Black peoples, I have worked to continue, reports to advocate for, and attempt to work within these systems meant to harm me and my community. I think of all of this today, and I hope we honour the many lives lost for the so-called country of Canada. I hope that you see your role in the importance of stopping harm and as a citizen, your role is in reconciliation and as a treaty partner. Um, pride should not just be one month. It's important to understand that the straight agenda and gendered violence was and is forced on these lands by Christian outsiders. Land acknowledgements are critical for creating a safer space as well as honoring the host as a guest and acknowledging your role as a treaty partner in a so-called time of reconciliation. It's important land acknowledgements have meaning. I encourage you all to introduce yourself with the acknowledgement of your ancestors, stories of displacement, and how you perceive your role as a treaty partner, a citizen of Canada, a refugee, or other land displacement so we as Indigenous peoples know how safe you are to be around. If you don't know how to pronounce your local Indigenous nations' names, won't say your pronouns, won't say your story of origin, won't acknowledge stolen lands, imposed economic oppression, or your role in reconciliation, I determine how safe you are to be around my community, my family, and myself. Understanding land acknowledgements and their importance is Indigenous 101, because it immediately addresses colonialism, oppression dynamics, broken treaties, and lies taught today in Canadian schools nationally. That's why settlers and those who call themselves native Calgarians or whatever town you're from, show me you have no Indigenous 101 understanding. Jesse Winty's book, Unreconciled, explains it perfectly, as do many other Indigenous authored books. 
Land Back is a movement that could save the planet from climate change created by colonialism and capitalism, but it would be a part of a treaty partnership, part of meaningful reconciliation, and honoring global initiatives like the United Nations Declaration of Rights of Indigenous Peoples. I think I'm going to go off on a tangent right now because um, right now today, the date being October uh, 9th, we're seeing a lot of conversations about Israel and Palestine and I, I just, I'm so saddened and disappointed. You know, we're supposed to have, be doing this reconciliation, we're supposed to be doing anti-racism training. We're supposed to be working on decolonizing our language. And, um, you know, it just had the Sisters in Spirit Vigil. Um, I've been sharing what's going on with Reclaim and the lack of settler support. Um, Jackie Crazy Bull's march was yesterday and very few people came. I, um, I see the rhetoric about what they're doing to Palestinians right now. And I, I couldn't be more disappointed because it's clear all the things I just said, like it hurts. I say these things and it's either not resonating by my own listeners or like there's just no comprehension of it whatsoever. I don't think people really understand what the UN Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous Peoples mean. I don't think people understand what equity means nor equal governance. I seen an article that someone I love and respect shared about how, you know, with the pipeline, there's a little less than 12% equity sharing, which is like a hundred times better than what it was. But equity is more than just less than 12% in, in the um, ownership of a pipeline. It's about 50%. It's about having the right to veto. And now we have to rewrite rewrote the uh, pipeline, which I said we could do years ago when Witsutu, when uh, the first invasions were happening. Um, I, I just, I, I really, am, I said those words and they hurt because I know that if you are a listener, I, I'm not seeing your response to this, Israel and Palestine. I'm seeing a lot of retweets of Israel and, um, and they're very genocidal in nature. And it just shows me how much further we have to go with understanding all of this. People wear their orange shirts, but I don't think they know what the other 364 days mean. And that means undoing these policies that cause harm, that are not equitable. And, you know, I, I don't see people showing up. Like I, I'll go to the queer community events because they're important. But they don't seem to see how gendered violence is the issue, how the erasure of two-spirit is the issue for Indigenous people. They don't see the solutions in the National Inquiry Report. So I, I'm really, I read those words and oof, every word felt like a stinger because of what I'm seeing. So anyway, I'm speaking to you on the lands of the Nitsitapi, which is the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south of the imposed U.S.-Canadian border are the Blackfeet. North of the border are the Siksika, Gainai, and Bagani of the Confederacy. So Israel and is Canada and the U.S. And the Blackfoot Confederacy is the Palestinians split up by a border that was imposed on them. 
I don't think this is a hard concept, but apparently it is from what I'm watching on Twitter. Holy, these lands are Treaty 7. Um, I want to acknowledge the Blackfoot Confederacy first, the Siksika Gainai Bagani of the Confederacy and the um, south of the border, of course, the Blackfeet Nation. Anyway, these lands are also Treaty 7 that was just recently signed in 1877 with signatures that include the Blackfoot Confederacy and then the Good Stony, Chiniki, and Bearspaw Nations of the Stony Nations and then the Dene from Sutina. Those were all treaty partners. Notice how the Métis were not on that treaty. Please. There was no Métis nation in 1877. Ever since then, the Blackfoot have established this to be their lands through court every time the Métis try to uh, exert hunting rights or gathering rights, anything. So that's why you don't hear me say Métis Region 3, because that was imposed. But I do acknowledge all First Nation, Métis, Inuit status and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. All non-Indigenous are treaty partners with the government signing on your behalf. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you, previous donors, for showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. For those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com, where you can send in your uh, comments or questions. Also, giving a review helps whatever medium you're listening from. I have a YouTube channel that you can go and subscribe. You can also go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts. And um, I also have a little bit of consulting. I don't know how many times people are like, oh my God, I want to buy a coffee and pick your brain. And then they end up being really racist and horrible. And they didn't pay me because they thought buying me a coffee was somehow enough. So if you legitimately care, please donate. I, I will be obviously encouraging you all to donate on other things. If you follow me on social media, uh, Wendy Walker, uh, local Indigenous uh, guitar player, songwriter, overall artist um, in music. She has, you know, some financial issues. So when you see that hashtag, uh, Settler Saturday, it means something. When I say that we are at the bottom of the imposed socioeconomic ladder, I mean, Settler Saturday is a way to say, hey, I see that and I want to help. And yeah, there's some scams. I've, I've had people in my life say that. Well, I don't know which one's a real scam. Well, if you're from Calgary, you know who Wendy Walker is. If you're from Calgary, you know who I am. So, you know, if you're listening or, or retweeting and following me on social media and learning something, like, why don't you buy us a coffee? Give us five bucks on a Saturday. Why is that so hard? Holy. We're at the bottom of this Canadian socioeconomic ladder for a reason. And I'm going to read a little bit about that. So uh, a link I'm going to include is the Calgary Foundation's uh, new report about our quality of living. So for folks who don't know, they, they put this out and um, they talk about, you know, things that are on one side, Calgarians uh, love living in Calgary, but 81% of us feel a healthy sense of belonging, but it's becoming harder and harder to focus on the basics and 25% of us just can't. Overall, we're happier. And then they go through a whole bunch of other stats. But I, I really wanted to um, go through just a couple of stats with you. 31% of racialized Calgarians cannot find suitable employment. I think that's a pretty significant number. 
31% of racialized Canadians. Now I see this all the time on my, on my Facebook feed, you know, people who arbitrarily lose their job. They're always the first people who are cut regardless. I, I just don't think that if you don't see that, I wish you would acknowledge that's a privilege to not see it. I see it. Um, 88% of racialized Calgarians feel uncomfortable or out of place because of their religion, ethnicity, skin color, language, culture, accent, gender, or sexual orientation, up from 75% in 2022. 88%. 88. So, like, I'm just going to say, like, they're queer Muslims in this city. They can't show up to the 2SLGBTQ rallies. Their families can't really be outing them because then they get outed and are complicit. And it's the, the hate against sexual orientation is just ramped right up, let alone racism. You know, the religion, ethnicity, skin color, culture, language, accent, like those things matter. I was just recently on Twitter and uh, there was a study that was coming out to talk about baby boomer LGBTQ. And I said uh, something to the effect that, oh, I noticed there was no two spirit, no, no two S in the acronym. I read the report, there was nothing said about any sort of diversity whatsoever, including the erasure of two S. And I said that, I said, you know, obviously I don't want our two spirit seniors to be stuck with racist um, baby boomers in these senior places. But at the same time, you know, we're like, we're just talking about indigenous erasure in general now. Anyway, that, you know how you can uh, be following someone and then they block you and then unblock you so that you two aren't following each other anymore. So that happened. <laughs> uh, and that, you know, it, it sucks because it wasn't a personal attack. Um, I followed it up after I realized that and said that, um, you know, it, this is only going to get worse because right now, uh, part of our refugee um, and, and new immigrant policies are around the rainbow railway. So for folks who don't know if it's unsafe to be a part of the queer community globally, they are at a higher risk of violence than they are at a higher status of coming into Canada. So this 88% of racialized Calgarians feeling uncomfortable because of their religion, ethnicity, skin color, like this is a pretty big deal for us to be tackling. And yet we're not because we don't even see racism, which is the problem that we're facing. We have solutions. People just don't want to acknowledge them, right? Anyway, um, so 84% of racialized Calgarians believe racism exists versus 66% of non-racialized Cal Calgarians. And I would probably argue of the 66% of non-racialized Calgarians. <laughs> their, their idea of what racism is and what my idea of racism is is still a vastly bigger gap. So <laughs> anyway, if you want to read that, it's the Calgary Foundation's uh, annual report. And uh, I really hope that people will have a look at it. It's the Quality of Life 2023 report. Um, you know, because where I picked out those few things and they got like zero reshares or retweets on any of my social medias, I, I think it's really substantial. 88% um, of racialized Calgarians feeling uncomfortable. Like that just validates what I talk about here every week, one. But two, 
it just shows it's it's not just me it shows that it's it's a pretty substantial problem in our city and people are still not wanting to tackle it unfortunately so always appreciate the calgary foundation's work this is just another example of it um, in my land acknowledgement teachings i i actually point to their uh, videos that they have on land, on land acknowledgements because um, you know some inclusion is better than nothing but as we're seeing with the israel-palestinian issues people don't get what land acknowledgement means whatsoever or that they're part of the problem and that they're part of the solution of dismantling it you know canadians i, I just want to really like throw something at you that i i think is our biggest barrier you don't want to give us half control you don't want us to say no you don't want us to be able to say yes you want total and complete control now imagine if we started advocating for that instead we said it's very clear you guys can't share so now we're just going to be 100 percent in control and you can just listen that would actually be quite normal in any other part of the world you know if you move to spain you have to listen to the spanish government move to England, you have to listen to the English government. You come to Canada and you just erase all the Indigenous people and their governance models here and decide that you're going to impose your own. Does that sound fair and equitable? I, Canadians, Orange Shirt Day is gone. You have 364 days to start dismantling these problems. It, it's really clear what the problem is. And uh, most of you can't even be bothered to write a damn letter, let alone show up to a rally, you know, and, or, well, or donate five bucks. Holy, <laughs> my God. Um, so I want to say about October 4th, Sisters in Spirit Vigil, I was really honored to um, have quite a few guests come to my backyard to honor Josina Panak's amazing work that she's done over the last 20 years. She was the founder 20 years ago for the Sisters in Spirit Vigil that uh, happens annually. And, um, you know, I, I would never be mad at those who participated in the, in the regular um, vigil that she founded. Of course not, I'd never be mad. But, um, you know, I wasn't asked to be a part of it. So had I been by the elders, maybe, I, well, I know I would have been compelled to say yes. So that's why, of course, I'm not mad at any of my sisters who, you know, was a part of that in any capacity. Um, but I, I did want to say that that organization has perpetuated so much harm now on the Indigenous community. Um, I'm seeing it firsthand. I'm getting nasty messages from folks, um, which, like, if you're trauma-informed, you know that hurt people hurt people, but that bigger picture that they're gonna come out with their anger and lash out because they can at you. They won't add out at the, at the organization or the board. They won't, but they will for their indigenous sisters that they know have no power. No, I don't get paid. Almost every person I've seen at that um, was paid. So, you know, lucky to have a, an organization paying you to be there. But I did want to give a shout out to a couple of the organizations that messaged me and said that they would not be participating because of the harm that has been perpetuated. And I also know that some funding has been pulled because of the harm that's been perpetuated. That said, I, um, I hate it. I hate all of this. This was done by settler colonials and their control over a board. 
and now they've split the indigenous community. I mean, it was already, um, you know, there's so much trauma in our community anyway. So whatever, all, all I know is that I'm trying to do what I can to fundraise and take back that board with the Reconciliation Action Group, Reclaim Awaton, and um, unfortunately, until we do take it back, I just cannot recommend that organization because of all of the harm it's perpetuated. You'd be shocked at how many people message me to tell me some of the ongoings there. So I just, it, it hurts my heart because I know the folks that are working there mean to work there with the best of their ability, but it's the folks, the settler colonials in charge that are, are making it hard for everybody. So at, at any rate, if you um, are listening from anywhere across Canada, Sisters and Spirit Vigils, October 4th, are founded and created because of Bridget Tolley's work. And um, I really got triggered in my trauma response this uh, October, I don't know, 28th, 29th. There's an every child group or every child matters group. And of course it was suggested that I join it. So I did. And um, yeah. So it turns out the trucker convoy thinks that they can just appropriate the term every child matters against the 2S LGBTQ community. And um, that really triggered me because I was angry that they were trying to take an indigenous um, slogan specific to Indian residential school trauma, trauma and, and survivors and those who didn't make it home and appropriate it. And the fact that anybody thinks it's acceptable to appropriate Every Child Matters just shows how deep seated the racism in, is in this country. Those, these folks did black backflips to try to say, oh no, we're not racist, but you're being racist. And I told them repeatedly and they didn't like it, but I didn't care because I have to honor my, my people, especially my family, they attended, Jesus Christ. So anyway, the irony of that was that uh, the thing about these conservatives, these right-wing conservatives, they're always associated with porn, always. They, they just can't help themselves. They're just associated with that. So that brings in the hackers. So these hackers would come in posting explicit pictures of pornography. And, you know, and graphic really really graphic and then the very people who were like I'm not racist would leave because of the porn instead of just reporting it to Facebook oh my god it was so funny but it's not funny so anyway that that's the wildness of you know settler colonialism I, I seen a really good tweet about uh, uh tribe using the word tribe when there is a high chance that as you know white people you have literally stolen uh, land resources because you decimated somebody else's tribe. So now to use that terminology, another point of appropriation that was just like in my face all week, I couldn't believe it. So I wanted to just kind of share that because I think a lot of people ask, oh, how was your September 30th? And I mean, it's a day of mourning. I had this one person say, oh, you mean we don't celebrate it? And I'm like, uh, fuck no. Like even Remembrance Day, we don't. We don't celebrate vets that did come home and celebrate the ones that died there. So I had to use that analogy. And I'm like, because I played an, um, 
this little clip I had from City TV that said, you know, June is our month to shine. And they wanted to almost challenge me on that. So I challenged them on the fact we have Canada Day. Like Canada Day is supposed to be a fun day. It's not for Indigenous people, but it's supposed to be. But we also have Remembrance Day. So like, do we just cancel Canada Day because we have Remembrance Day? So to try to challenge them that way, it is shocking to me how non-Indigenous still think about Indigenous issues. But that said, uh, especially with the Israel-Palestine issue, I, like I know here in Abbeydale, people still show that puppet that is like uh, the terrorist, Ahmed the terrorist or something, and they laugh at it. So like that Islamophobia and anti-Muslim bias is like really strong even here. And, um, and I, I'm seeing it in the way people talk about this conflict. And uh, to me, it's real simple. People don't understand their lawn acknowledgements. They don't understand what UNDRIP is. And I'm sad that I thought we had gotten further with all of this. I feel like we're on the verge of World War III, sadly. Um, I thought it was really important to point out that um, <laughs> the amount of hate that I've seen in the week as well. So apparently in the University of Calgary, there was a Hitler march. Police are investigating. I'm sure nothing will be found of the police officer's children attending the UFC that participated in the march. Um, the same up north, the RCMP are investigating uh, right by where those two Métis men were murdered for hunting. Um, there's a property close to there that uh, has swastikas and a sign basically telling people to die. And, you know, it's wild to me how people will try to do backflips to say, oh, that's not racism. I'm like, I don't, I, I can't possibly describe an area that shot and killed Métis men still have a property with a swastika on it, how that's, that's okay. Just like UFC Hitler marches happening in the residence is totally cool. Is there any wonder why 80% 80, 80 of racialized Calgarians feel unsafe in Calgary? I think it's pretty clear to me, but at least we are protecting that other 12%, right, Calgary, right? That's, that's how it works. Just making sure. Anyway, <laughs> um, I'm going to move on to COVID. Uh, this week is my understanding. We finally get our um, COVID shots with the new variant in it. Uh, the midwives are seeing a disproportionate rate of um, preeclampsia and postpartum hemorrhage. And they say it is because of COVID. Uh, colds don't do this. Flus don't do this. But COVID does. So their, their tweet that I had seen said that birthing people must be advised to avoid infection because it is a matter of life and death. And then I was sharing another one by Dr. Um, Patel, and he was seeing the link between COVID-19 and cancer progression um, and was calling for more biomarker, biomarking testing to, you know, once you've been infected with COVID, like I have twice, you're at a higher risk of those cancer cancer cells. So there's uh, biomarkers that we can get tested for. And the hope is, is that will be done. But all I can say, folks, is that get your shots, mask up. I've been wearing my N95 in the, uh, in the stores again, because I just can't afford to get sick and, um, and die. I don't know. I don't, I don't know why this is such a hard concept for folks. But 
I just know that our folks, Indigenous people, have a disproportionate um, amount of autoimmune disorders. So it would be even more prevalent for, or more important for us to be getting these shots to help prevent any rampant um, infections and heart conditions, heart issues, uh, health issues that we can basically accelerate due to contracting COVID. So I hope people think about that. Uh, I've seen that we already have a, a planned event for November 19th for the Trans Day of Remembrance. So this is for all the trans people that have been murdered over the course of a year. And uh, the plan is to go to community wise from two to four on that Sunday, doors opening at 1.30 and they're gonna do an update in their Facebook page or Facebook event of, uh, you know, who the speakers might be in that, but they'll be reading the names of all of those who passed in an informal gathering to follow. And I think it's really important, especially if you're non-trans, um, if, you, if, if you don't come, you're showing the trans community, they don't matter. And of course they matter, they matter to me. I love many of my, I have, I have trans friends, I have trans family, we have trans folks in the Indigenous community, we have trans folks in the non-Indigenous community, I love them all, so, you know, show up. <laughs> anyway, um, so I, I did want to also focus on a few positive things that happened. Um, now, racism within the queer community aside, um, just as there's the 1 million voices for hate, well, there's another like other one for inclusion and we're trying to open chapters in, in every major city. So if you're a progressive and you care about the queer community, please consider joining this. And if you, if you can't seem to find it, let me know and we'll somehow connect so that I can get you into these groups and go from there. Um, so last week we, we talked a lot about uh, some of these issues. One of the things I wanted to bring up again, because I haven't done it yet, was writing a letter of support for Taylor McNally and Adora Nufor. So if you're from Calgary, you know these two Black activists, these single moms, they're amazing people. And um, Stop the Stack YYC is really an educational piece to talk about how the uh, justice system goes against Black people to stack a whole bunch of charges against them in the hopes that one of them stick in order for them to, uh, you know, be oppressed and be persecuted. And, um, you know, it, it's really wrong. And here, here we are. Uh, I thought when that video came out showing the attack that happened on uh, Taylor, that not all, not only would all the charges be dropped, but that Alberta sheriff would be charged for how she treated the public. But no, 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 we got all of these other charges. So that's really disappointing. Um, another letter writing campaign from last week that I was encouraging was a, a QCUYYC on social media was encouraging us all to write our CBE school trustees to support the teaching of the sexual sexual orientation and gender identity commonly known as SOGI. And then to share that in your posts, tagging them and just making messages of support for queer kids in general. I think it really matters. I Right now in this exact moment with the Palestinians being attacked the way they are, my biggest concern are queer Muslims because <laughs> there's so much hate against every single one of their intersectionalities anyway 
really thinking about all of our queer Muslims in the city, but also beyond and, um, and wishing everyone had, had safety anyway. Uh, another big positive thing that happened this, this week, Wab Canoe. <laughs> so he made the promise that he would search the landfills. So thank God for that. Um, and he said that he was at least going to try. And I think that's the key word is that at least he'll freaking try. Um, I think so many of us Indigenous people I've seen on TikTok, this trend of everybody being like, bye, Heather, bye, Heather, and uh, all these different content creators and mashed together into this really uh, cute video that just brought me so much joy. Uh, people sharing pictures of Wab Canoe in his regalia, some of him drumming. I see one of him shooting hoops. So like, this is a pretty substantial moment, obviously, for the Indigenous community. Um, I think Jody Wilson Rainbow had said uh, momentous. That was uh, her word. I really loved reading and seeing that interview from Global about her thoughts on that. Um, but I seen a really great tweet from a Black uh, academic. I think she was Black. It was a, a femme person anyway, a, a racialized femme. And they said something to the effect that uh, that they were going to be um, hoping that the first Speaker of the House being Black now with uh, Greg Fergus and Wab Canoe being a Premier of, of Manitoba, that they're not the last, that the racism will accelerate and hopefully we will build safeguards and protections for them so that they're not the last. And, uh, and I really, really loved uh Wab Canoe's victory speech he had his family holding his kids they even put a blanket on on him at one point in time you know just to honor him right then and there and uh for those who don't know like I, I talk about eighth fire uh CBC he uh he was the host for this for this uh show and um and like like it's multi-shows and and documentaries to try to educate non-indigenous people on Canada's true history and I mean sure he, even he would argue that it's softer than it should be but for me it's always been a good starting point for Canadians who claim they're curious to learn but never then click on the damn link <laughs> anyway so I seen a little clip of uh, him from the eighth fire talking about uh oh I can't remember it's a whole series is fantastic so um you know just seeing a lot of joy a lot of indigenous joy at his election and uh and i pray for you know the the folks the, there's camp mercedes camp morgan that are wanting those landfills searched and i i'm just praying that uh that gets done and i've seen the federal government you know reiterate their position that they have lots of money to give for those searches so you know it, it's now it can just be done as opposed to with Heather uh, Stephenson, I think was her name, the former premier. She uh, <laughs> had no intention. She was like, fuck them, too bad. So at least this way we can maybe have a little bit of closure. I'm pretty happy about that. So anyway, something I'm really excited for tonight is I have book club. Uh, book club is, uh, excuse me, Peace and Good Order, The Case for Indigenous Justice in Canada by Harold Johnston. Holy cow, folks, I cannot go on enough about this book. I've almost dog-eared almost every page. Um, it's an easy read, first and foremost. 
and it really demystifies the legal profession. I think, honestly, the entire justice system needs to read this book. I think this should be the mandatory reconciliation book they all have to read so that they can understand. Um, and I, I really applaud Harold Johnson. He actually writes it as a this is how I perpetuated harm on my own community by using this um, stupid system, this Western system that was imposed. And he talks in depth using many examples of things that he regrets and, and things that could change. Of course, it's loaded with solutions, much like Jody Wilson Rainbow's book, um, uh, books, I should say. They ha all have solutions in them. You know, our elders gave all those reports. I always list every podcast. So I do, I do wish um, folks who care about the justice system uh, would read this because I think it's really an important book to understand this Western colonial justice system imposed on our people and how much harm and trauma it is regularly per, uh, perpetuating. So I hope you enjoy it. Uh, obviously, we'll make it a um, podcast when I run out of content here. So I'm really excited for tonight's book club. Uh, next book club for November 13th, uh, report to guide the implementation of a national action plan on violence against women and gender-based violence. Um, there's a, a free PDF that's available. Um, I have the 2021 link here. So I'm just going to do a double check to see if there's a new one tonight uh, before tonight's meeting to see if there's one for 22 that might already be out because if this came out in June of 21, there might be a newer one that came out in June of 22, might even be one June of 23. So I'll see. But either or, it's a little insulting to me because if anybody were to read the uh, national inquiry, it is a national plan on violence against women and gender-based violence. So I guess we needed a whitewashed one. So we'll see how this looks in comparison to the National Inquiry, and I encourage you all to read it too. And then December 11th, Making Space for Indigenous Feminism, edited by Joyce Green. Really excited for that too. Um, the Reconciliation Action Group, I'm sure you've seen our uh, releases about what's a family that's in Cochrane that is going through so much trauma because of a beating their little Métis fellow had from a bunch of bullies at school but it's all catholic and you know it's it's a really racist uh, town so i just can't see there being anything in fact the the board came out and said some awful things i've seen some letters that were sent back to the family um so now the family is just utterly and completely traumatized by the entire fiasco and uh, a lot of broken hearts going on there so, you know, I just wish people seen how their racism affects people and by not having proper anti-bullying policies that it can actually be effective, how that hurts a whole community. So I obviously am not gonna speak on the family's behalf on my podcast, but I was listed as one of the contacts because um, for media purposes, we were to speak about those things, but we did find one reporter just gave a total whitewash version of it and, uh, further traumatizing the family so it's it's a it's really sad to watch people have to go through that and of course while that's happening it was like orange shirt day and sisters and spirit vigil and i'm going through this stupid every child matters group that wants to whitewash life um you know and and weaponize it against the trans community so 
like it, it was so painful to to see all of this happening at the exact same time meanwhile having uh protest like we calgary has like three protests a freaking week to counter the hate rallies that there there are here like i mean if we would have had any type of heads up on the uh, hate march through the ufc we would have showed up that too um so i just wish people knew how incredibly exhausting it is you know those bigger cities that have a little more of a friendlier space for queer people like lucky you you only get it like once a week holy i can't believe this i wish this trucker convoy uh folks who just hate the queer community would just like go back home, work, you know, help their families instead of attacking all of these kids. Uh, and I don't know, it sucks. Anyway, I'm proud that this podcast has given solutions, cultural safety training, cultural first aid, and all of them to create a safer space for Indigenous people of color, those with disabilities. Thank you to authors Cheryl Ward, Chelsea Branch, and Alicia Fritkin of heretohelp.bc.ca. They have a really great section on what is Indigenous cultural safety, why I should care about it. Their work are cultural action tools, so please support Indigenous work like that as part of your reconciliation work and settler understandings. I'm just lucky enough to repeat them and highlight them here. Holy cow, internalized racism and lateral violence is a form of violence that Indigenous and marginalized folks experience under the structure of racism imposed on these lands. Uh, Donna Bevins has a wonderful website, racialequitytools.org. Highly recommend uh, donating to her. Uh, she has tons of resource files, but a great section, a PDF on what is internalized racism. So if you are a Indigenous person or any equity-seeking group, please consider <laughs> reading about internalized oppression because if, you're, you, if you don't, you're perpetuating it on your own community. Do's and don'ts for bystander intervention. So American Friends Service Committee at AFSC.org has some wonderful tips on how to intervene in a nonviolent, constructive way. And obviously I'm not seeing it here in Calgary, otherwise wouldn't I have Nazi marches through their universities. Anyone who follows me on my social media, I would encourage you to watch the anti-racism or organizational lead for the city of Calgary. Um, he gave this really great presentation on, on the journey of becoming an anti-racism leader. Like this is the bare freaking minimum people should be doing. Holy. Um, so back to Stop the Stack. If you have any uh, funds to donate to our Black Lives Matter activist, Taylor McNally or Adora Newfer, please, they're legally being targeted they could use all the donations they could get. I mean, we're trying to raise funds for Reclaim. And uh, boy, oh boy, is it tough, folks. You'd be shocked at how many lawyers don't want to take on a case like this. You'd also be shocked that regardless of having a Societies Act, how unenforceable it actually is. The lack of support, I mean, it's just breaking our, our elder or the founder, her heart so much. Way to go, folks. Hope you're proud. Happy, happy times. Indigenous have been talking about our issues, sharing our traumas, and reports, commissions, and public hearings just can be regularly disregarded. No more. Honor the words. Honor the treaties. Listen to the politicians and their policies and platforms. <laughs> and apparently y'all did in, in Manitoba. Way to go, Manitoba. Really proud of you. Um, also, look at their... Um, their budgets if they're not recognizing 
gender equity plus, if they're cutting violence prevention programs, services, indigenous education, uterus health choices, gay straight alliances, lack of human rights for migrants, immigrants, folks with disabilities, know that your vote to that party directly negatively impact, impacts equity seeking people. Again, way to go Manitoba. <laughs> Demand they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action. The recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples, the multiple reports about child welfare reform, violence prevention, and now 231 calls to justice on the National Inquiry on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women, Girls, and Two-Spirit. Provincially, we have the 113 Pathways to Justice that Kenny created. So I hope all you blue voters hold uh, the new Premier's Council on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls to account on that because I have yet to see any movement there. Municipally, we have the White Goose Flying Report. Denying these reports is a form of abuse called gaslighting. Our people are experiencing extreme racism in the educational and health institutions with multiple reports that say the same thing. Demand change from election platforms and politicians. If they don't understand colonialism, racism, privilege, uh, gendered violence, they literally have zero business running. So I don't know, should be understood by everybody. Here we are. <laughs> anyway, when I see uh, when I see some of the news articles, it's really clear that you know community organizations, schools, sports clubs, they're still not getting it. But anyway, uh, you can Google how non-Indigenous Canadians can become allies. And uh, there's some great solutions in many of those articles. Mm. Why didn't I drink my coffee sooner? Mm. Stephanie Harp and I had an emergency podcast in the hopes that we could reach our allies a little more on the crises we're facing. Um, she was a huge proponent of AboriginalAlert.ca. So that's actually how I've been sharing a lot of the uh, missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit that show up in my world. Um, I always share the original post so that when they get found or unfortunately sometimes deceased and that post goes down, you're not, um, you know, making it your own post and putting it out there as your own, um, which was some of the hate mail I got from somebody claiming that I, you know, didn't um, care about their daughter when they went missing. And I looked and sure enough, I had shared all of their stuff and shared the Aboriginal alert. And, um, but I took it down after they attacked me and blocked them out of my life because I obviously don't need their trauma. Um, you know, but I do wish them well on their recovery and journey. It's just clear they're judging me as if I'm <laughs> working for the Alberta government, the federal government, the Calgary police, uh, I don't know, Auton. Like, I don't work for any organization. Yeah, anything I've ever done has always been volunteer because you can't trust these organizations at all because they, they don't want to hear the truth. So the moment you get paid by these organizations, then you're forced to uh, quiet your voice and just nod and agree. It's, it's awful. Anyway, um, she also is a proponent of the Missing Children's Society of Canada app. Uh, I don't use it as much as I should, but you know it's there for folks who are interested in solutions. Um, I was really excited about the womenshomelessness.ca 
uh, statement on demanding urgent action on, to protect the lives of Indigenous women, girls, two-spirit and gender diverse. But that came out of December of last year. We're in October now. I didn't see anybody who I encouraged them to write letters, send one, and I were sure not seeing that work done. Anyway, I did a whole episode on the housing thing already. So I'm probably just going to take this out of my conversation from here on in. But the drug poisoning issue is still ongoing. Um, Ian Thompson, our returning guest, he has posted some of the stats are just getting worse and worse. We obviously do not have the very solutions the premier claimed we did, but she's elected now. So it's all okay. We know all you UCP uh, voters that listen, none of you are holding your premier to account, none of you. So here we are, hooray. Anyway, if you know anyone who's using substances, please don't use alone. If you are losing alone, using alone, blah, <laughs> you can contact the National Overdose Response Service at 888-688-NORS for support. Or you can download the Brave or Doors app. There's also a Lifeguard app. And basically it's making a safety plan so that if you are going to use that you don't die because your life matters and the system sucks. And we know if you had access to a bed, you'd likely use it because we don't invest in housing and haven't since the nineties. And now we're in a crisis of bringing in more uh, refugees, new immigrants, and there's no places for anybody. So now we're getting tents everywhere across the country. So anyway, if you're experiencing emotional distress after anything we talked about and need to talk, you can call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness helpline at 1-855-242-3310. It's toll-free, open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can also text at hopeforwellness.ca. If more related to missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit, you can call 844 413 Again, that is a national toll-free uh, 24-7 crisis line to support anyone who requires emotional assistance related to missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and Two-Spirit. Um, the March for the 60 Scoop is going to be coming up here. Um, also, you can go to 60 Scoop Society of Alberta. I was sharing the poster. I don't know if we're teamed up with them this year. Um, unfortunately, with the death of my mother-in-law, I've been really struggling to keep on top of all the minutes there. So, But I do hope you attend the event and support all of the 60 Scoop uh, Indigenous folks, you know, that day. That'd be great. Uh, the Indian Residential School Survivors and Family Hotline is 866-925-4419. The Native Youth Crisis Hotline is 877-209-1266. For non-Indigenous, there are distress center lines in your area, usually a functioning 211, or you can call 833-456-4566 or text 45645. And you can go to crisisservicescanada.ca and the kids' help phone is 1-800-668-6868. Uh, the following are two SLGBTQ crisis supports, which are available in most areas in Canada. Uh, these will give you nationwide options of who you can call, websites you can visit, and videos you can watch if you need to talk to someone 
or are in crisis. So lifevoice.ca has crisis supports and uh, LGBTQ crisis supports. Uh, Trans Lifeline has 877-330-6366. The Trevor Project for LGBTQ youth, 866-844-7386. And notice I don't say the two if they don't say the two. And if I don't say the two and they don't say the two, there's a high chance you're gonna be talking to a white person who doesn't understand racism. So if you're indigenous or racialized, I sorry. I wish we had better supports for everybody. Anyway, violence is my everyday reality. Oh shit, yesterday from the Justice for Jackie walk, I was literally waiting for this woman across the street and she just gave me the finger. Me sitting in my, you know, <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. I'm like, that's how it's going to be. And I had a witness <laughs> and it was on video, but that bigger picture, it's like, like I just get violence by existing, by just simply existing. People finger me. Anyway, I know every indigenous generation has faced it. Uh, this podcast is, you know, some actual representation as indigenous people, because we don't get it. We don't like my daughter is the first generation to be able to see something like reservation dogs. You know, they don't get it. And of course it's ending now, but that bigger picture that people just don't get, we don't have proper representation. So anyway, this podcast is self-care, how I take my power back. It's why I started it without, you know, interruption, tone police, leadership, shaming, gaslighting questions, as many people don't want to hear my opinion, but sure want to tell us theirs, even if they don't know anything about us or colonialism or the constant surveillance of our people our protests, our vigils, and our rights. I and many others share info on microaggressions daily. It's just unacceptable to say them anymore. Learn about being trauma-informed. Folks like me are dealing with other people's trauma or internalized racism, those gatekeepers, folks who survive off the status quo, you know, the people who get paid to go to things and the rest of us don't, um, and those who are in their trauma. And they stop people from doing, you know, the work and depleting resources and time, internal and external racism is an everyday reality for me and equity seeking groups. Uh, Masi Cho to my ancestors, my late granny, my mom of what strength looks like through your examples. I want to thank my dad for teaching me to be strong and blunt. My stepmom for showing me what a proud culture is through her Austrian family and roots and teaching me to be a proud Calgarian is through her. I am a second generation Calgarian. Anyway, uh, thank you to my husband, Darcy. Um, you know, he produces and edits the show, but he was the one who encouraged me to do it. He has been my childhood friend, the father of our child, and my support down this journey. And he has witnessed decades of racism and sexism. And to our child, Thunderpipe Necklace Woman, we are blessed to learn from you daily and honored you chose us. You give me daily accountability to be a better and stronger person. I hope my daughter and my family will be proud in the future of us discussing these present day issues in a way that they can understand. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian where you can pledge and support. Thank you previous donors for showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. If you cannot afford to give, love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com but also if you are writing letters you can cc me or bcc me to let me know um send in your comments and your questions 
I also have a YouTube channel. You can go and subscribe. You can go to nativecalgarian.com to book me or to listen to the latest podcasts. On, I just want to say thanks, everyone who's ever given me a moment. Um, you're just listening. I appreciate you just listening. And I want to end. <laughs> okay, you all know what I'm about to say. Real quick, there's a tweeter out in Canmore, and he's Indigenous, and he was complaining about all the rabbits. So I told him about this line I always say in every podcast. So I just want to end by giving side eye to those Canmore and Calgary rabbits. You're lucky I'm not tradish. And my beautiful cousin would respond, Are you being my dish? Thanks, folks, for listening. <laughs>